Welcome to Crest in partnership with Elusive. Less than a week to go until history is made when surfing debuts in the Olympic Games. To mark this event, we've got our pundit panel together again, along with an extra special guest. There had to be Welsh involvement somewhere, and we've found it. Yes, for this episode, we're welcoming Llewellyn Whitaker to the virtual studio. The personal coach of one of the competitors, Lou is at the Games and has an inside take on what it took to get a slot in the Games and on the prep needed for the run-in. Who are his picks and what does this mean for the history of the sport? It's the Crest Olympic Special. Tom Anderson, your host here, and I'm joined for this special occasion by our Monday Club regulars, Lantwit Enforcer Mark Vaughan and Bionic Woman Emily Williams. Hello, both. Ladies first. Come on, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Hiya, Tom. Hiya, all. How are you? I think you've introduced yourself there, Vaughan. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be. I was trying to be polite. You know, I didn't want to just like wait, barge out. You call me the Enforcer. I didn't want to live up to that name. <laughs> so, and, and uh, good evening, guest. everyone. Our guest. Would you believe that someone who has lived in Kevin Cribber? is going to the Tokyo Olympics. Well, they are. He has lived in a few other places besides Kevin, I should add, but still, it's enough of a Wales connection for us to chase him down. It's one of South Africa and Britain's all-time top surfers and world-class, hang on, let me update the script there, Olympic-class coach, Llewellyn Whitaker. How's it going, Lou? Welcome to Crest in Partnership with Elusive. Jeez, what an introduction, my bro. Well done. Thank you. Making me feel super special. It's awesome to see you again, Lou. Yes, long time, Tom. Awesome to meet you, Em. And um, Bonnie, what a pleasure to see you again, brother. It's been far too long. And thank you for the opportunity to to share my story. Llewellyn, uh, I've missed your smiling bead, uh, I tell you. It's <laughs> absolutely delight to see you, mate. The wonders of technology. It's just, I'm so happy right now. We're going to have a good chat after all this, I swear. Great, super great. Vaughny, you're drinking the zero percents tonight, aren't you, to uh, toast Lou's achievement? Yes, I'm not normally a drinker now, Tom, as everyone knows, after an 18-month dry spell. So, um, But I felt this uh, momentous occasion deserved a, a little bit of a celebration, even if it's a zero percent beer. So uh, to toast our uh, our good friend Llewellyn on his uh, epic journey ahead. So, And it is an epic journey and an epic achievement as well. Uh, Llewellyn is about to fly uh, at the time of recording to Germany uh, and then you're going to be flying out to Tokyo from there have you sort of has it sunk in um not quite yet this week there's been a bit of preparation booking flights and um with 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 everything so uncertain at the moment it's almost like I've I've tried to do training camps and and get to contests and contests are getting cancelled and I'm I'm almost too scared to get excited I'm too nervous to be or start getting there in my mind you know I've got the flights that's for sure. I got the accreditation, that's for sure. So, so far, everything's looking really promising. Um, just with COVID and stuff, it's a, it's a bit, it's still a bit nerve wracking. You know, you could get turned down at the airport for some crazy yeah, reason. Yeah, I bet. And uh, Leon Glatzer, who uh, you, you've been coaching, is, uh, is, he's in Germany at the moment, yeah? Leon Glatzer is actually currently in France at the moment. Right. He's busy doing, putting some uh, hard, hard yards in, training hard, working hard with my assistant coach uh, and colleague, Martin. Right. Um, he specialised more in the uh, personal training, the physical training, and the and the sports psychology side. 
so the, so yeah, he's in France getting his equipment dialed in. I know um, we're expecting pretty small waves, so it's we'll, we're going to be going epoxy all the way. Yeah, uh, France is small in the summer, so he's there preparing right now. Uh, yeah, I've I've been to both places actually, and uh, yeah, that that Chiba Prefecture, it is kind of uh, like the kind of more northerly part of France is a kind of Lacanau type uh, setup. Yeah, and yeah, I think unless they get a typhoon, it tends to be pretty small, doesn't it? Yeah, so that it's kind of motivating me. I'm I'm going to get on a call with Leon in the next couple of days. I've been giving a lot of thought as to what kind of approach, what kind of um, strategy, how we got to start thinking, how we want to start speaking. And 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 looking at the event and how we we t- intend to um, get that podium finish, you know. So there's a yeah. couple of uh, one of the things is having a the the fact that it is small waves. I, I think can play in our favour because that's not always the best surfer that gets through in those kind of conditions. You know, there can be some luck that plays in our favour and we get through a lot more heats. Mm. And at the moment, we don't. Yeah, don't give a rat's ass about names anyway. Yeah, and he's got the the above the lip game to compete with any of them if he can find a section, isn't he? Absolutely. I mean, when I first met him, he was I met him as a as an aerialist, you know, Volcom, yeah, a punk rock aerial guy, you know. And then uh, we we connected really well in in um, I think it was April or July of 2018. And uh, we just hit it off right there, and then I saw the potential and the ability uh, and the talent in him. Mm. And um, oh, we sat down together. Um, we set some goals, and and that's what's the, the beautiful part of this whole story. Actually, is I've actually got a, a picture of 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 notes that we did in a, in our book from the second of July, twenty eighteen, where we set, where the in he, in the big heading was twenty twenty Olympics. So we basically manifested that we focused, trust, and believed that we that that's what we were working towards, and to actually finally reach the that goal, and look back three years and we wrote it down. Mm. Just a crazy, crazy story. I mean, it's unbelievable. Amazing, Chloe. You must have, you know, three years ago. I, I mean, just to to actually make that dream happen and to have it all written down is is, is incredibly special. But I mean, there's so many incredibly talented surfers out there uh, and not necessarily all of them are brilliant competitors but in terms of leon you must have seen something in him and and he you at that time i mean it, did you see something in leon that you just thought this guy is an exceptional talent and i can work with him to make that dream happen or was it just did just the stars align for you guys or has it just been that partnership throughout that's just made this happen well Vornia, I'm, i think that the just on like a pure emotional connection level that's where that's where where we connected immediately i mean he came over to south africa in 2018 like i said but prior to that i'd met his manager in a small town of um of 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 the west coast of cape town called azerfontein tiny little town like i mean what's the chance i've met this just me so yes there's a lot of stars aligning Mm -hmm. for sure a lot of coincidences and um uh, I met Quirin in Azerfontein, this tiny town in, on, on near uh, on the west coast of South Africa of Cape Town, and then I met him again at Long Beach while I, whilst I was coaching. And they obviously he was associated with the Fed, German Federation. So in essence, the German Federation sent him over, and the connection was right there. And I I could check his his air game was absolutely incredible. Um, we got along like a house on fire, and then obviously this. And through the support of the federation, the opportunities that were created for us 
to nurture his talent and to nurture this connection, I mean, the support was incredible from the Federation. From there, we were able to, uh, uh, him, him and um, another guy that I met at the time, Dylan Kroon, um, they then wanted me to go to France of 2018 to do the European leg. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they wanted me to go in 2019 to do the uh, Australian leg. And then it just snowballed from there. And then, yeah, in, of 2019, they asked me to to coach the German team at the European Championships at Santa Cruz. We got third third in Europe, which was a huge result. Yeah, it's an amazing and result. Then, um, then they um, and then they asked me to coach at the 2019 uh, ISA World uh, World, uh, World Championships, uh, and I was very um, fortunate to coach with the all-time legend Didier Pitta. Mm, I know Didier. Yeah, well, absolutely the nicest guy. And there we got a 12th in the world, improving from a 19th. Yeah, um, which which is a huge jump. We didn't quite make the top 10 that I that I that I. The, uh, the, the target for the team, unfortunately. So we just missed out. However, we still finished top three European countries. We beat France, which was fantastic. And Leon was one spot away from Olympic qualification. And then at the end of 2019, they officially asked me, hey, Lou, please, we'd love you to come on uh, officially as the head coach. Yeah, and that's what, uh, the head coach of the German Surfing Federation then. So that oversees like everything that the German Surfing Federation have in place for from talent development right through to getting someone into the Olympics? Pretty much, pretty much. Um, obviously, as a new federation, it's, there's a lot of uh, learning and and process developing. And um, so, so that's kind of what's going on at the moment. Um, and obviously, being German, that they, very, um, they really do want to have systems and structures in place, which is fantastic and makes things a lot easier. Um, and what's, what I love about working with Federation is they, they trust me to, to do what I do best and they encourage me and they, uh, they, um, support me in almost every idea I have in almost vision in all my visions I have for the team. And they just, they give me almost free reign to do what I do best and what I, and what I love to do, you know, and that's to help people see the. Uh, even a bigger potential within that they may not even see in themselves and to set those pictures and visions for the federation as a whole too, you know? Yeah. So how, how do you find being on the other side of the event, you know, being the coach rather than the athlete? Do you think it takes a certain type of person to be a coach? Um, that's a very good question. That's that. I, I like that question because it goes more into the philosophical side of, of who I am. Um mm. And how I, and and an area in my in my coaching which I believe is quite unique with regards to the whole philosophical side of of life and how life works and how people work and human behavior and all that kind of stuff. So, I think to answer the question, it is something that you w- must want to do, but um, it is something that you learn to do better all the time you if you if you prepare to learn all the time you can improve your coaching skills all the time because if i for example when i came off the off the qs being based in in in, in the uk um i mean i came back and i started coaching i was like a full-on drill sergeant old school south african yeah no the only way to get through heat is power let's go 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 you, yeah. you've got to do the t- two three k's run you've got 
like army style, you know, mm. and then you, then you get a bit of resistance from certain people and you need to learn to adapt. So now you adapt your coaching style with certain different types of people. Then you start classing people from your experiences and how to work with those people. Um, so it's, it, it's an evolving thing. So I think you must want it. And, and I think it must come. Uh, I think if you're an empathetic person, you want to, you normally do more for other people than you do for yourself. So I think with, with that as a, a base in your, in your character, you would generally make a good teacher or, or a good coach. But, mm. um, and then obviously the other way to learn is th- uh, academically where you can learn to be a coach or you learn to be a surf instructor or so on. But those are the kind of like the two avenues of, of, of becoming a surf coach. So that's why it's taken me 14 years to get to this point in, in, my, in my career. It's a long time. Yeah, that, that is a long time. <laughs> so so you know, all I was going to ask was just that, you, know, you said you got into coaching 14 years ago. That's 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 a hell of a long time, and you've been on a hell of a journey. And it's really interesting listening to to what you you've had to say. But was that your always your goal though? To kind of like was coaching just something to pay the bills, and or, or, or did you just see that it was a route for you, and that you had a special talent for it, um, or, or was it just you just fall into it by chance, and that you've you know learned that you're really good at it? <laughs> yeah, um, I, th- I like. I like to explain these these kind of or answer these questions with stories mm. because I, I look at my life as different phases, different chapters, and when I'm coaching, I use those kind of analogies as well. Mm. Um, the funny thing is when I when I started to be a paramedic after school, and then I, I eventually, long story short, I en- ended up basing myself in the UK, surfing the UK tour, getting the sponsors from Gull and from Bole, all European based, surfing the British tour with you guys, Vaughn and Tom. And uh, having a great time, making good money, and 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 also using a credit card. Thank you, TSB Lloyd's. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I did pay them back. <laughs> and then um, every year I came home, I remember sitting at the foot of my parents' bed, and my parents would ask me the question, "Hey Lou, so what do you think you're going to do when you finish traveling and doing the world tour?" And I was just like, one of the last times I said, I don't know, maybe I'll just become a teacher. Uh, and now I'm a surf teacher. So the, the being a teacher was probably something that I had in me or believed I could do. Or it was maybe, right. not, when you're that age, you're not really thinking about it. Mm. And then um, in 2006, I did my uh, British Surfing Association level one course and level two with, um, what's his name again? Um, Barry Hall. Barry Hall, correct. With old good, good old Barry, and then I did learn to so, so to coming to more direct to your answer, your question. I then did the learn to surf lessons at Hollywell Bay to make money for mm. sure, to make yeah. ends meet. Seventy pounds a day, two lessons a day, yeah, good money, you know. Uh, and then I coached the junior British team in two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, and then in and at that time is when that massive, when the very first big recession hit. Yeah, I lost my sponsors. I was getting sponsored by, uh, and I was actually in Wales at that time, and uh, and that's when it became decision time for me as to which way am I going to go here. And at that time, I just uh, I was repping for Island Style in in the UK, mm. and um, 
and I thought to myself, I, I can I can coach the South African team. I can I can rep for other brands in South Africa. What I'm doing here now, and I can I wasn't able to get onto the QS anymore. I was only really surfing British tour. I was only maybe the odd European WSL, and I was saying, well, that this life I could live in South Africa, and I always yeah. wanted to come and live in Mossel Bay. Mossel Bay was my my was my home, you know, mm. and. And then when I moved here and started Wave School of Surfing, I got introduced to, through a good friend of mine, um, Aidan Mazenkamp, um, who's now in the Challenger Series. He finished top 40 in the world 2019 on the WQS. Um, Max Alkington, Jake Alkington, who, who the, the British surfers should know of. He's yeah. represented Great Britain at the World Surfing Championships too. Uh, Ethan Fletcher and Geordie Marie, and who, who are all multiple. Yeah. All then became multiple South African champions, multiple uh, juniors, uh, South African junior um, representatives, and so on. So it was, it, it it was something that I, I put, I just followed my heart and just went with, went with, just went with it, just blindly. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I went with it as if I didn't have another choice. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that, that how important relationships are in that, you know, and obviously the relationship that we all know and have heard a lot about is your relationship with Leon. But one of the things that makes that German job really interesting is the range of characters, you know, because you've got Marlon Lipke, um, you know, who's kind of a really you know, the wise kind of, you know, quiet, softly spoken fella. And then you mentioned Dylan Croyne already. And then and then with the ladies, you know, Noah Clapp, Rachel Presti, Camilla Kemp. And then I think was was Frankie Hara around the German scene for a little while as well. And you know these are all like a lot of them are kind of American, you know by by um, what would the word be by extraction. You know, yeah. very very different characters to me. I just imagine you know those guys and Marlon in a room together, and you know how, how you know dealing with all those guys at the same time. You know, it must be really you know all about personalities at times. Well, absolutely. I mean, and that's and that's how you can be that's how you can develop to become a, a, a great coach is learning to adapt with these different personality personalities at the end of the day we've got an actually all latino team lower club speaks fluent spanish right um yeah of um, course leon's, leon's from pavones isn't he hmm. pavones you've got um um arna bergwinkel he's from ecuador fluent spanish lenny jensen fluent spanish um Cam, um, Camilla, on the other hand, she's Portuguese, and Dylan's based in Portugal. Noah's Cali from California, and and then uh, Rachel Presti, she's from Florida. Florida so, yeah. man, they're from all over the world, and all different. And, and Frankie Hara was from, I think, Malibu, wasn't she? Yes, yeah. from Malibu. I only had the pleasure to work with her in 2019. Yeah, and in the beginning, or in the beginning of 20, was it 2019? And then I think it was in the beginning of 2020 she decided to to leave competition surfing. Yeah, but um, not before she dropped in on Mark Healy at Chopu though and rode the entire barrel in front of him, which I got a lot of time for. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's got to keep it going somehow. <laughs> yeah. So, when it's fair to say that the German Surfing Federation have done a a massive job and in terms of attracting first class surfers internationally from wherever you know and and, and that they, they obviously had a, a, a quite a clear remit from whenever they started that process uh and i guess that's you know supported by the, you know the german government in order to you know have that structure in place and to have 
you know, the people like you on the coaching, but also is that a scouting job for you in terms of looking for those those types of surfers, or is it have they come to Germany? How, how does that work? Um, there's less scouting going on and more focus on on the talent that we have, mm. at, and at, and that I think that's also been the key to our success. I mean, for, when I first started working with the team, I was working with Rachel Preston. I was in just such awe of her. I mean, here I've got this opportunity to work with the twenty. Uh, she was 2019 under eight, under 18 ISA world champion. Yeah, yeah, she was. So immediately you are you are given talent to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan Kroon, when I met him, he hadn't re- he hadn't made a final of a, of a of a pro junior event when he came to Lambert's Bay in um, near Irlands Bay in, on the west coast of South Africa. We made a final there. So I was given people that ha- had talent. There's no doubt about that. But what we did is we focused. On the, what we had, and how, and and the, and the, and we put in place a program or a process that needed to be, that needed to be followed, um, and then, and then obviously put the right people in the right place. For example, I've got uh, Yannick and Nele that are that are the office bearers, and they run such a tight ship. Right. I've got Martin that that does the sports psychology and and the cross training and the physical training. And then, I've, and then myself for the surf coaching. So between the four of us, um, I think we're running a really good federation. And we're not trying to get too big or, too, or to have too many people, but trying to do the best mm. for each and every single athlete to, give, to ultimately give them any opportunity that they think they need to become the surfers that they want to become. Mm. And their picture obviously fits into our picture, which is Olympic qualification mm. and WCT surfers. I want to ask both uh, Vaughnie and Ems about their own experiences of coming across the, the, the German teams over the years. Um, Ems, have you, a couple of the ladies we were mentioning then, you come across any of them in your time? Yeah, I know Camilla. I've known her for a few years. I know her aunt, so surfed a bit with a really nice, got on with her really well. And my first Worlds, I had a heat with Camilla and Frankie. Both surfing right. Portugal and USA, both in the same heat from my first world. So, yeah, I, I know know a few of those names definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Plus and personal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and how about you, Vaughny? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a little longer in the tooth than them, uh, <laughs> to say to say the least. Um, but I mean, when I started doing the sort of European events back in uh, late '80s, early '90s, I guess that you know the German surf. If you drew a German surfer in your, in your heat, you were kind of thinking, "Oh, lovely! That's that's me through yeah. that." But that, that changed pretty quickly. Um, you know, I, I remember guts losing a heater at Euros in '95 in uh, in Sintra, um, Praia Grande. Yeah, um, and and we were all taking the mick out of him, you know. And and you know, only maybe two years later, Marlon came along, and uh, and, and then a whole host of uh, other brilliant surfers. But yeah, that's they changed the game. Marlon was the year later because that, that's one of my favourite stories from a, a Europeans. 1996 it was the first time I saw Marlon and uh, Germany had a one-man team. And so Isaac Kibblewhite in the under-14s was the only guy in all of the round ones to be in a four-man heat. And it was with Marlon. <laughs> so, so when they published the results of the contest, he was the only guy in dead last because <laughs> he'd lost to the German guy. And then, of course, uh, Marlon went on to be Marlon, and Isaac, of course, went on to be uh, to be Isaac. Isaac. 
Um, yeah, so I think uh, I, I think in France, the, the worlds we went as Wales in the Open. That I, I, I remember we speaking. Uh, Didier was coaching for Germany then, and uh, yeah. I drew one of the German guys and 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 actually managed to beat beat the ch- the chap. I, 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 and uh, you know, it was a celebratory moment, and I, th- I think uh, you know that says a lot in terms of you know in my time in competing that you've gone from like hey, I've got a German, I've got to buy to oh, we celebrating because you've beaten a German. Because you've beaten server. the German, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that. That's a story there, and it, you know my time is it. I kind of, I, I, I kind of drew on that in 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 part of the preparation with the team, as in part of our like approach. Our, I always, my approach was that we were the underdogs, and that, um, but I, I wanted to make sure that each and every single surfer, I made them believe yeah. that they could get through the heat, and I and I found ways in my own mind to look at them and their surfing to make so that i could see the the things that i seen that, that i believed in their surfing to, that would help them get through heat right whether it was their power or their or their flow or whatever and, yeah. I, and i would and i could sincerely tell them that that is why you're good enough to get through this heat and, and you slowly but surely get this belief going inside of them and they start getting through more and more heats and also at the same time, they people are busy writing off the Germans. Now we start getting through more and more heat, and it's for me the approach was to try and um, absorb and attract as much energy from from the world, from other competitors, and people to notice us. Right, because yeah. as soon as we started getting noticed, and so as soon as we started absorbing that positive energy, absorbing that universal energy. And get, the, we got more and more attention, and, mm. and and so we kept doing better and better and better. I mean, like three quarters of the South, um, uh, com- the surfing population in South Africa, at least the competition, the guys that compete, were were supporting Germany at the Worlds, you know, as, yeah. as well as South Africa, of course. But but rooting, and then and then getting that at that point in time, you you become personally involved yeah. with with the country. Or personally involved with the surfer who represents a certain country, and and trying to grow that bigger yeah. and bigger, and and at the same time, great. Well, we were we were out of the couch and jumping in the air when uh, in those last couple of heats when Leon's the standard just went through the you know, each heat he just rose his game and it was like, you know I love the way that he he built you know on each performance uh, during that event. Now I tell you what, before we move on to sort of go through you know, a little bit of your sort of, you know, your, your, your own history and, and, and then, you know, the role that Wales has played in your life, Lou. Can I just ask, like, is there any chance you could lend a little bit of your expertise to the German football team? Because we could have really done with them being able to deliver a result uh, just a, a little bit back there now, you know, because uh, we're never going to hear the end of this England beating Germany thing. Well, they needed you oh, then. Oh, no, come on now. That's <laughs> not fair. <laughs> so... Well, the the football probably the football coaches get paid way more, bro. <laughs> yeah, and they're not delivering. So, um, you know, we, we go back. You know, we're talking about Marcel Bay, um, and it's interesting because you know Vaughny will remember. You know, your your, your first showing up. Uh, you know, in, in Newquay, but I, you know, I remember you from um, that. That winter, that well, summer it would have been for for you guys that I spent in Durban when um, I saved up some money and moved out there and took a little apartment above North Beach, 
And uh, oh, yeah. that was, uh, was that, I think you just arrived in Durban. I remember, you know, you, you were one of the standout surfers in the lineup there and, you know, going through um, Zigzag magazine. I've still got the copy of Zigzag magazine upstairs. I recently dug it out and there's, there's a picture of you in a, getting piped on a right-hander in Cyclone Babiola. And I was like, you know, I was looking at the mag oh, and looking yeah. at the pier out the front window and thinking, and there was yourself now, Travis Logie and Davey Weir were the kind of, you know, top guys, but but they were they were always off on, on tour. And then the day-to-day standouts, you know, it was yourself, it was Sean Gossman, Richie Sills, Kevin Olsen, and then and Tamaris Walters as well. And, you know, and, and it was such an inspiring time for me to see all of those guys. And then a really big role back then as well was Spider Murphy. Um, and, and, you know, I heard you talking about the coaching models that, that you'd kind of grown, grown up with. So will you just tell us a little bit about the, the, those years in Durban and, you know, and, and Spider and, you know, the characters in Durban and the influence they'd had on you? Well, Tom, I do, I do remember those years. It was uh, actually, it was, would have been 1997, 98, 99 and 2000. It was, yeah. Um, late 90s and... Uh, I just moved from Mossel Bay to Durban to yeah. study paramedics, and um, the pool of talent that was in Durban that was insane. in those years was unbelievable. I mean, I mean, you've mentioned just a couple of the names. Then there was also Antonio Bortoletto. Yeah, and he came over and won the contest in Newquay, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. He won the six star. Yeah, uh, Masters was a six star. Yeah, go on. You were telling us some other names: Richie Sills, Dale Bamford, Seth Hulley, um uh, the Parson brothers, Shane Thorne. I mean, the the level of surfing that went on between New Pier and North Luke Beach. Luke Patterson. I'm just remembering the, them as we go. Luke, yeah, exactly. And, Luke and, and Dane Patterson. And then, of course, the little Groms on the Dairy Bowl: Warwick Wright, uh, Josh Redman, yeah. Daniel Redman, um, Ricky Bassnet, or did I just say him, Robin Bassnet? And then a little one called Jordan, a cheeky little chappy. Do you remember him? Jordan? Yeah. Smith? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember him. Can you, I mean, how's those names you just rifled off there? They were all surfing together <laughs> every single day after school, weren't they? In that little, that little peak yeah. in front of the new pier. And that, and, and that was a, that was a major hub. And, and I mean, so far Spider had his, had his factory right behind in the, in one of the main roads over there. Yeah. You had Gig Salias who had the, the um, shop, the, the, it, surf, the surf shop. Yeah. Uh, you had Bruce Jackson that owned the coffee shop. Yeah. So you basically had the whole industry, the guys that owned Quicksilver, Barry Warrens, the guys that owned Lizard, the guys that owned uh, Rip Curl, South Africa, in the in the peak of 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 the sport of of, of at least uh, of of surfing. Yeah. Sitting there drinking coffee, and you're in the water trying to do a floater on a six foot wave instead of. <clears throat> excuse me, trying to, instead of trying to pull into the barrel, you're trying to do floaters on in yeah. seconds that you're just going to get smashed on in massive cyclone swells. So the, the environment there was, I mean, it's very different now, but it was, it was the epicenter of, of surfing in South Africa at that time. And then if, then if you look at the names before that, the Lawson brothers, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Peter Lawson, uh, Mike Burness, um, no uh, Mike Rosco, no Rami, um, unbelievable goosebumps. Mm. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Mm. And then, um, and then, oh, we met, we didn't mention Jason Ribbink either. Jason Ribbink, <clears throat> yeah, you can't say Durban without mentioning Jason, you know. Yeah. So, um, so the, the pool of talent there was just phenomenal. And, uh, I, I had, a, I, I signed up with Safari not long after, 
Uh, I moved there. I actually qualified for the Natal, yeah. uh, the KwaZulu Natal team. Well, I made the A team surprisingly in the first year there. And uh, at SA Champ, Spider offered me a deal to ride for his board. And then I started getting coached by Graham Hines. So, and who's an all-time South African legend yeah. in, in the sport of surfing in South Africa. And um, he, he started uh, Safari Surfboards with, with, um, with Spider. With Spinny, and um, so a lot of my the a lot of my core uh, coaching stems from what I received from Graham Hines. I, I can I, I can hand, hands down say that you know part of the bottom, part of the top. Yeah, <laughs> the winning formula. Yeah, yeah, you definitely got that one down, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom Carroll School of Coaching. There, uh, there you go. vaughny has been winding me up about it, but it was it was yeah, just blew my mind the surfing that went on during those couple of months that I was privileged to spend in that city. And vaughn has been telling me that it didn't make any difference whatsoever. But I've explained to him that it's the reason why I surf quite crap instead of really crap, see? So, uh, yeah, crap. there we go. <laughs> well, uh, if that's, that's a nice way to look at the glass half full. Yeah. You'd be a great coach. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, so, Clue, I mean, you... Um, you spent a lot of time in the UK, uh, you know, some time in in, in Newquay, as you've have mentioned, and and some time in in, in Wales. Um, I mean, any plans to come back? No, look, I'm, I'm like I said before, Mossel Bay is where my heart lies, so I made the move out here. I think, uh, you know, if 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 everything went tits up in South Africa, I've still got my British passport, and and I would use the use Europe as a backup plan, but Right now, I'm just so happy. I've got a beautiful new fiance and her daughter. My son lives here in Mossel Bay mm. and uh, my stepdaughter from my previous marriage. So my family's here. My dad's still here. Um, he's hit 70 now. So there's no, there's no, uh, there's no real idea to come. Not, yeah, so there's no real idea to come, come back over to Europe anytime soon, eh? Yeah, that six-hour, four-hour journey to J-Bay probably has a little bit of an influential uh, factor in that decision. <laughs> no, definitely. When the swell gets too big here, I just jump in the car three and a half hours later, I'm at J-Bay, surf there for six there we go. and then drive home, you know, and make it home yeah. for bath, bath and dinner for the kids. And uh, <laughs> I, I want to invite you to talk about um, FTB, you know, this this mantra that you've coined and 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 what that means um and and you were saying that you know there there is a relationship between wales the welsh landscape and, and your welsh experience because you know you were living in uh, just on that little hill in kevin cribber for a little while in, in wales while you were competing and uh, and doing working in one of the surf schools um so yeah just talk to us a little bit about what what wales contributed to that experience and then you know where uh, ftb came from and what it means this is this is where my life kind of um, turned turned around, basically. And um, I'm just going to try and find a name. I ha- have to mention his name, um, Jones. Yeah. Blake Jones is the is the oh, kid's Nigel name. Jones, Blake. Yeah, Nigel Jones. Thank you. All right, perfect. They're listeners. They're listeners. They'll be stoked. Yeah. So the story goes pretty much like this. I end up in a toxic relationship in Newquay. I need to get the hell out of there. Um, Nick Newton Williams uh, was also current, a was, worked, was on on fire. Uh, he was managing and and um, sales manager for for on fire. He got me onto the on fire team, um, 
and I was also riding for Viking Surfboards, a brand that that uh, that Nick had under under the umbrella of a couple of different brands. And at the time, then I was actually riding for JP Surfboards. I mean, JP John, he just shaped the the best boards way ahead of his time in in the UK, um, hands down. Big shout out to JP too. So these were influential people that that came into my life at a certain time. So I, I left Newquay to get out of Newquay to go to Wales and work at the at the at the surf school that uh, Nigel Jones owns. But it was more of an adventure center. Mm-hmm. It's quite embarrassing. I had to do surf lessons on the side of a freaking river riverbank the one day. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, it was uh, income, and and he gave me the opportunity. You know. So it was stoked and uh, just good, good vibes. And just, and then uh, this lady came in and asked to have a, a lesson with, with her daughter, with her friend's daughter. Her name's, her name is Annabelle Welsh. Yeah. Welsh. she must've been about seven or eight. Right. And I took this young Annabelle for a surf and I showed her the, um, I can't, I can't remember the beach. There's a bit of a pier or a bit of a harbor wall. Aberavon. Um, could be, and then just inside there, it was a bit more protected. It's yeah, just it's by the steelworks. Yeah, yes. Yeah, and um, I had a great time. And, and next minute, I get a phone call from from the mother, and she says, uh, "What did you do to my daughter?" And I'm going, "Oh God, what <laughs> now?" She said, "She says, I've never seen her so happy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All I can say is thank you." She's singing and skipping down the corridor. Thank you, Llewellyn. I'm so stoked, you know, so happy. Thank you. And this lady, the mother of Annabelle, her name is um, Anita Davis. Mm. And she was a Reiki healer. Well, she is a Reiki healer. And um, I actually still am in touch with her often. And uh, this lady basically changed my life. At the time, then, I also had a really bad knee injury, like a grade three tear. So she did some Reiki on my knee. I met, would meet, meet up with her and her, her husband at the time at Rest Bay, and she'd do some Reiki on my knee. And she went through this process of t- giving me these mantras or these sayings to to help me get over the breakup and 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 build myself up out of this, you know, a bit of a hole that I was stuck in. And the first one was compassion, understanding, and forgiveness. First of all, for my uh, for myself and for my partner, so I could kind of let go. Right. Yeah. And then she gave me the mantra of focus, trust, believe, abandoned flow with ease, and all is well. So with this, I it was it might be be a bit kind of like a hippie something, but but you had to envision white light, and I I actually really bought into this whole thing, and I would say that mantra to myself every day, every night, every morning, every night, and I actually came out of that. In such a good space, I went on to win the Triple Crown uh, t- uh, tour in 2007, I think it was, mm. winning winning Newcastle, uh, fifth at um, um, Thurso, and winning um, North North Island. What was that? Um, Croyd? No, not Croyd. Uh, oh, Port Rush. Port Rush. Port Rush. Uh, Northern yeah. Ireland, sorry. Northern Ireland, yeah. I uh, winning that. Port Rush and then winning the UK Triple Crown. Actually, so through that, and that's that's where focus, trust, believe comes from, and and that kind of is the, and then using that philosophy, I can look back in my life and see other moments where I was manifesting or, or talking 
about things and and they how and how they became true in my life you know and and then to take those things that I did for myself and then use it with someone like Leon and him buy into the whole thing as well and together manifest something as big as this mm. through using the philosophy of focusing on on a goal focusing on your dreams uh trusting in God and the universe and believing in yourself and your talents it, I, it's just it's crazy. I can't believe how far this, uh, this these three words have, have brought me, and um, and thanks to Anita for for teaching me these incredible things in life. And then obviously the foundation of that under FTB is love. You know you can't do it without love. You the good vibes, good vibes only. So Ems, oh. I got to ask you what you make of that as like the most ruthless competitor in the universe. What <laughs> what do you think? How, how how's that work in Iron Man? <laughs> It all, it all applies, isn't it? I'll phrase that again. How's that work in Iron Woman? <laughs> no, it's, yeah, <laughs> just focusing focusing on your goal, like you say, trusting in yourself, trusting in what you believe in, and just going for it. Like, it's, yeah, it's really interesting hearing all that. It's, yeah, good story. I like it. Yeah, thanks for that, Lou. Yeah, you know, it's more the, the, the philosophies is, sounds all, all romantic and, and, and nice, but the, the hard work that goes into it, you still got to be, Putting in the hours, putting in the effort, the sacrifices, and that is all, all, is always there, no matter what sport you're achieving mm. your greatness in. But the but the big thing is is to just to, to set mindset. those goals. How big? Yeah, mindset. How 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 big? How far do you actually want to go with that 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 goal? Mm. Um, and and you can hold yourself back by saying I want to be a European champion by instead of trying to be a world champion, but you know, but depending on how big the goal is, is how much effort you put into it as well. Spot on there. At the, there. That's definitely, I can relate to all of that for sure. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> some interesting things you come out there with, Lou, which I think will have a lot of listeners, and especially our younger competitors, you know, mm. and the, that will listen to this podcast. Really, well, you know, Nigel's son, aiming high. Uh, yeah. Nigel's <laughs> son, Blake, is, uh, you know, is an up and coming Grom. So, uh, you know, he, he'll be stoked to hear that. Um, we're going to ask you a bit about your your thoughts on the direction of of British surfing because it's really interesting. Britain um, can get gold in in Winter Olympiad despite having no snow anywhere and you know and no mountains that that that, that go high enough. Uh, and and yet Germany can can get a qualified Olympian and and you know here's hoping you know everyone in Wales you know has a surfer to fully support in this Olympics in in Leon for sure. Um, you know, and who knows, you know, if, if Leon can pick up a medal, you know, that's a, an incredible achievement. But again, Germany compared to South Africa, Brazil or France, who, you know, you guys placed ahead of in that Europeans, um, you know, uh, Germany has relatively low surfing facilities. You know, there's the island of Zult, uh, you know, and the, and, the, and the standing wave in uh, um, Munich. And, and, and that's pretty much it. So what what's holding Britain back if we can meddle on snow when we don't have any, but we can't meddle in, you know, or, or even qualify in surfing when we've got waves. Well, Tom, that's, that's a very deep question, a very difficult question to answer, mainly because I can only give my opinion of how I've experienced, how I've been given the opportunity to to work with the federation, to work with the country, yes, and and with it. Yeah. Whereas I, I think that really works as well. So you know, what is that perspective? For, for, you know, what have Germany done? And you know, perhaps it's a case of 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 what 
it's not that Britain's done anything wrong, but that Britain needs to watch and learn, you know, from that example. Yes, I think I would rather take that stance in this question as opposed to because there's no ways I can point fingers because I have I don't have an I, yeah. I have no idea as to what what the current political uh, circumstances are yeah. in in British surfing. Um, but I think the biggest thing, the biggest success in is that we we all have the same vision so, I, so the first the, the 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 only vision that germany has is olympic qualification right. that's the only vision we have so all that time working with these guys on qs contests that was always channeled towards getting them the experience to go for an olympic position yeah exactly exactly so 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 what i would what i would do is i would take i would get the bigger vision and then work backwards from there, from right, there. Yeah. So I would create the bigger picture. So obviously, and then you, and then with that, you still have to take in the, the, the each individual's goals and, and so on. So, and then you have to put it onto a time scale. So you, you have to look at the person surfing, um, where they are with their surfing. <laughs> and then I've, I've developed two different, um, um, Phases of, of developing the surfing. The phase one is obviously your foundational stuff off the bottom of the top, your spray turns, your linking turns, your WQS small wave turns, your tap turns, your front, your front side hack turns, and making sure that's developed. Then your second phase is your more your progressive stuff. How old are they? Okay, so I'm um, 17, I'm nowhere club, I've got the foundation, I'm strong, um, or or I'm Leon, I've got the foundation. And then on the back end and the forehand, so you're constantly trying to adjust where each surfer is at the age that they're at, mm. what year we want to achieve that goal. Like, for example, Leon's 24. He's in his prime. Yeah. One of the best aerialists in the world always was. What did we have to do? We had to make sure he could do aerials under pressure and bigger and full rotations and land them. And on really gnarly sure waves like that El Tunco beach break. Exactly, on, on big sections yeah. with confidence, you know. Mm. How did he start? He, he he would grab the rail in an air reverse in a beach break at, in Australia, needing a six five and get a six three because he went safe, soft or safe. Mm. You know, so these are the processes. So putting those pro- and that's just from the surfing side of things, mm. right? Setting the goals, then and then obviously then there's the whole physical side of things, tapering, training, strengthening, all that kind of stuff. And then we have someone that does that with that. And then obviously we have Yannick and Neil in the office that, that are booking the flight, booking the accommodation, do, um, you know, managing the funds perfectly so that there's no, there's no corruption whatsoever. But I think what it would take is... Sounds like a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, joking aside, I mean, not, you, know, you know, nobody's doing this, you know, for, for out of the goodness of their heart for the whole time. You know, you're talking a huge commitment from all of those people and, you know, following the, them around. And, you know, there's, yes, there's 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 a certain amount of, um, with with our sport of, of your stuff that you give, you know, you're constantly giving outside of your, your, your hours. And I know someone like you, Flo, and you're just so enthusiastic and you, you just live and breathe it. And you, um, but equally you've got, you've got family and you've got bills to pay. It sounds like, you know, the, the money that's been, push through German surfing is, is not insignificant to be able to offer that support. Is that a fair comment or is that out of... Um, it, it's a fair comment because remember, we only eight surfers, mm. right? Um, so, so eight surfers to 
to put them on, on the QS and go to the Worlds will cost X amount, right? And if you really wanted to figure it out, you could. Obviously, I can't say so, what it uh, was. So, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I wasn't suggesting for a minute you're driving around in a Porsche. Because <laughs> 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 I know that's so, or a Mercedes-Benz. Uh, he will so. be once he's helped the German football team get one back on England. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah. sorry. But, but what I can say is um, it's relative. Mm. For example, the we fall into a funding from the government for non-permanent sports in the Olympics because surfing is still not yeah. a permanent sport. So there's there's five five sports that fall in this pool, and that pool has X amount. So we get a portion of 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 that pool, and it's not split equally between five. We actually get the least. And in fact, with the least amount of funding out of almost, and I stand to be corrected on this statement, but I'm, I'm under the impression that surfing has the least amount of funding, but as the newest, one of the newest sports has had some of the most, um, um, has had the best success and the most results. So mm. it's, it's relative. It's relative. Yes, we are getting funding. And, and the reason I asked that, Llewellyn, is it comes back to, to Tom's question in a way that he asked you at the, at the, at the start there was, but it's that you know, there was a lot of questions in terms of you know, post-Leon's qualification um, that from British surfers, uh, you know, people, guys who have competed, guys who are influencers, uh, people in the industry, uh, you know, just sort of making that suggestion is it's like what why 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 isn't there a british surfer going to the olympics you know what what are the federations been doing why, why haven't the, we you know seized on this opportunity and you know british surfing has received recently um the acknowledgement that they will uh have a certain amount of money through um uh, uk sport to start funding and and going through this process but for me as someone who is 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 semi-involved in all of that and, and looking in is that that money only became available late last year. Mm. And I saw some conversations online and from people you, you will know from the UK and, and, uh, and outside. That, and I was trying to explain that whilst it's not always about funding and it never will be, it does help. Um, and that, you know, we, the coaching setup, I think, in the UK at the moment is, it is well it's not solid um there are, and there's some guys doing some good work but it, it needs the structure in which you're talking about and the journey you've been on or the german surfing federation have been on sounds as though it started some years ago and that you're just way ahead of the curve of us guys would that be a fair assessment yeah uh, the i think since since they've been taken over from since the federation has been run by yannick and nelly i think that's where things started turning around mm. the 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 money was managed properly um, they started putting the right people in the right places in important positions in the, within the federation. Um, I think, my, from an outsider's point of view, the, the problem that I would that I potentially see in the UK is that you've got you've got different countries. You've got Scotland, Wales, mm. Ireland, in, okay. Um, then you would have to have one representative from each place, pers- uh, uh, from one. From, from each country and then you'd have to have and then and and that would be kind of like your unit that would run it so that you can get everybody's opinion from each country to the top 
Mm. Um, and then, and then you would have to have obviously your coaches, your coach, your assistant coach, your psych, psychological. So there'd have to be a bit of a, uh, um, a, um, a soundboard. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And there is that, there is some, there's been a lot happened probably since you were last uh, here to understand that system. And it's a slightly unfair question for me to, to land on you without that full information. Um, but I think it, it, it's interesting, really interesting to hear that your journey personally massively and knowing you as, as well as I do. And it, it's just so amazing to know that you will be going to the Olympics in like just a few weeks' time. <laughs> I, and I'm going to be able to say, I, I know that man. I know that man. <laughs> I'm going to tell you to my kids. Uh, but I think because I say the, the UK guys have been looking at it and just saying, you know, We've missed out. Llewellyn was here. He was living here, and we've let this guy go. And now look at what he's done. But yeah, he's he's come on to become just one of the world's best coaches. Um, and and and, I, and there is a part of me that says, you know, that because people think in this country, well, yeah, we got loads of good surfers, therefore we should be able to do the same. Well, I, yes, we should be able to do the same, but equally not necessarily because you don't just suddenly become a great world-class coach overnight and you don't necessarily even if you are a world-class coach you've still got to turn a, a world-class over into an olympian and you know there's still very few people reach that that top goal and you have and and so has leon so congratulations to you it's, it's an incredible effort Jeez, thanks so much yeah do you think that the funding plays a part in like developing your team like not just funding for your worlds and your olympic qualifiers but all that funding going down to your pro juniors and your QSs to help your athletes get that experience and then working up. If you've got, got that money to filter down to like your grassroots, do you find that that funding is playing a part in developing the team or also just the team in general? We haven't even got to the grassroots development uh, within the German Federation just yet. We were actually going to kind of like slowly get get that kick-started this year with the European Surfing Championships. Juniors, uh, unfortunately, it's been cancelled um, due to COVID reasons, you know. Um, I think Portugal's just also become a red flag variant virus country. So um, so, so we haven't even got that far. Like I said, I, I've got, we have different teams within the um, federation. We have the PK team, which is your like um, potential uh, uh, Olympic qualifying team. You get your OK team, which is your Olympic qualifiers, which Leon would have fallen into had he finished um, fifth in a non-Olympic year. So he still stays in the PK team. And then you have your NK team, um, which is your junior team. So, so we haven't even really got to the grassroots side of things. All we did was we, had, we, we ran two sim goals simultaneously. Goal one. Olympic qualification. How do we get to Olympic qualification? Our surfers have to be so good. Okay, for them to get that good, they need experience and they need practice. How are we going to do that? Number one, training camps. All right. Number two, they need to surf as many contests as possible. Then, and and obviously, there's a lot more detail into that. So, so just by having the goal in place, the vision, and then and figuring out how we need to. How, how the surfers can get what they need, what can we give them as a federation to, um, to give them the, 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 uh, the resources, what resources can we supply them with 
to help them achieve those goals. And and then and then at the end of the day, you know, it's just it's a matter of just paying their flights, their accommodation, their meals, their entry fees. You know, so it's so they don't ever get any money as such, but just those all those mm. expenses get covered, which is huge. I mean, it's massive. But in terms you know? of that's even with all that, you know, it's to the success that you've achieved. It's from an on from what very little I know about your relationship with with Leon is 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 quite clear it's a relationship you know and that is you know the the photos and the videos and the stuff that we all saw online from El Salvador it was very clear that you guys have something you pretty unique and and super super tight uh and you know you've obviously something as you said certainly clicked from day one uh and that that's that has to be a massive factor in what you've achieved as well as everything else that's been thrown at you um you know, to help. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's all, they all factor in, don't they? All those little things. Exactly. So, you know, um, when I got divorced in 2017, it, I mean, again, it was also, it's funny, I found myself stuck in another cycle or another pattern where I ended up in a toxic relationship again, even after FTB and thinking I'd all figured it out. And, and uh, anyway, um, ended up in an, another toxic, uh, uh, relationship we had got divorced and after that i was like you know stuff this i want to i started i started my own mantra and i had other besides that i I wanted to be the best dad in the world obviously i'm divorced so now now i want to i want to be the best dad so a very present father picking my kids up every morning for Mm. school after school you know paying diligently paying my maintenance etc etc and then i started saying to myself I i want to be the best coach in the world and um and when you start saying those things, people start believing in you. And then when you meet someone like Leon and you, he, you're busy telling him this deep, heart, you know, life story about how you got divorced and how you, now you want to become the best coach in the world. And, and he buys into that with you. Mm. And I remember actually walking away from the, from the beach and, uh, and I just looked at him and I said, I said, I'm, I'm trying not to cry now. <laughs> I just said, Leon, uh, um, thank you so much that I that I could trust you, bro. That I could could um, you know, that I could trust you, and that you that you bought into this whole, this thing with me wholeheartedly together, and and we did it. I said, I, you know, if I I could have tried to I could have had tried to do this with anybody else, but it was this one kid yeah. that 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 made the difference. You know, so yeah. It, it couldn't have been done without him buying into the whole the whole thing, you know. Mm. There's so much trust there between, you know, a coach and an athlete. As an athlete, you know, I believe in my coach. I trust everything he says. And it's that same, is it? Like you say, that relationship is so important between that coach and athlete. And yeah. it's definitely part of the success. So what are you saying then? My coaching wasn't up to scratch. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you, you sent me the paddle out in the wrong place. See the relationship we have, Llewellyn, she just would not listen. Do you know what happened, Llewellyn? I, I, I've spent 20, how many, 30 years competing up in Thursa and I tell the team, all of you, you need a paddle out by there. Where do they all go? The opposite side. Yeah. Uh, I, need yeah. some, I need some advice on how to coach people better because they're not listening to me <laughs> you also told us all to not go left and then That's you went left. Left. minor detail minor detail <laughs> <laughs> everyone goes left at this <laughs> <laughs>
Nah, I'm horny, bro. He thought he was a bagpipe. Literally, you kids, you need to listen to your, old, your elders. It was howling northwesterly, northerly swell, cutting across the reef. And I was like, go as far up as you can. And no, 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 nobody listens to Vaughn. He said, What's he do? what does he know? Ah, <laughs> uh, there we go. <laughs> okay, so and one question I do want to ask is, what's your single best piece of coaching advice to improve your surfing? Sure, that's a, that's a very tough question because there's so much area, there's so many different areas in your surfing that, that you would want to improve. So it could be a technical thing, it could be a, a strategy thing. Um, without a doubt, you, you, you have to have a good bottom turn. I mean, you, any, any coach that you ask that question is going to tell you, you've got to have a good bottom turn. Mm. And then there's, there's different elements in the bottom turn that you can, that you have to focus on getting right, you know, putting the board on the rail, either touching with your, your right hand natural going right or touching with the left hand backhand going, going, uh, uh natural going right as well. Um, uh, putting the ball on the rail, rotating if you're on the backhand, looking up. So there's all these different little bit of elements. But um, I think it's very important to get a good coach and to work to work with a good coach to help you uh, create a vision, create a picture of where you want to take your surfing. Because if you want to get the results, your surfing needs to improve, and you then put a timeline to it. So, yeah. so I think that in summary, I, you know, um, as more of a holistic approach to the question, I'd say. Set the vision, set the goal. If it's if it's competition wise, um, then then look at what I need to do with my surfing to improve it to achieve those goals, and then um, and then get get cracking for sure. Epic. That's fair. No, that I've got I've got a whole list that I need you to work on for me, Flavellin. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, let's. Can, have you, should I move to Wales? I bet you were you were a lot cheaper before you came in an Olympian. I swear. Yeah. We can. Uh, we, we, maybe we, we might save save some of Giggsy's severance pay though, and that could go towards it. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll charge you rands, bro. You'll be styling. <laughs> hey, let, let's uh, let's. Finish off here by getting excited again. Then we, we we're going to change those rands for euros, and then we're going to change them for Japanese yen. Um, so going over yeah. to the Olympics, then <laughs> this is interesting because you know you part of what I've got from what you've been talking about, Lou, is is how in the moment you are and how in the moment you've kept Leon. So I I kind of almost wonder whether it's kind of not really your thing to sort of get involved in kind of fan style punditry for this event that you know you're going to be right in the thick of, but but. Our our listeners are going to want a bit of fan style punditry, so us three can get involved at least, and you know we'll see if you if you've got anything to throw in there. Um, I'm just wondering okay. who 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 you're looking out for. Who's it going to be exciting to see go? You know, alongside Leon, you know, and and, and Jordy Smith is now out. Um, so Leo Fioravanti's in. That's another European. It's it, it's a it is a sad loss for South Africa. So you've I think South Africa's only got Bianca Batentag and um Correct. So Bianca would be going. I've been working with Bianca the last two to three months, getting her boards ready, getting her out of retirement, getting the fire back in her belly. And yeah. um obviously I'd be rooting for her all the way. Okay. And one of the ones that uh, we've been excited about here, uh, Ems and I in particular, Sofia Milanovic qualifying. Because I mean that was we were gutted when uh, when Paige Arms paddled off onto that right at uh, at um, Tunko and 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 knocked so- Sophia out. But 
she's going. She won the event in Miyazaki. Do you think she's going to be a threat? Um, that would have been, uh, what was the lady's name that paddled over to the right? Paige Arms, a Hawaiian lady surfing for Canada. Yes. That was a very smart move, actually. I remember seeing that, and that right was, I mean, that was very it, a very smart move. It's really but far out to that, sea from when you sit on the beach there, though, isn't it, that right? you know, And it yeah. really does look like you're paddling off and getting lost at sea, doesn't it? Exactly. So it's a, it, it was a good decision and about a tough decision at the same time and it played in a favour. Um, Sofia Milanovic, um, I know her very well from when I used to travel with Heather Clark on the on the on the CT oh, of days. Of course, yeah, back in the um, in the nineties and two thousands when he, yeah, great, yeah. Yes, and then um, so I'm good friends with her. I think she's such a beautiful down to earth person. Um, my my take on the whole Japanese event because of the waves is it's going to give people like Leon and Sophia a, 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 a more of a realistic chance mm. to become a podium finisher. Right. Simply because if the waves were firing three to five foot trestles for argument's sake, yeah. you, or, or five foot trestles or, or just a good all-around high-performance wave, how it's going to be so difficult to beat Gabriel Medina. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's a rarer, you know, how, how, unless you're Andino, surfing yeah. at Chloe and Dina, unless you're really surfing at their level, it, it would be a very high ask to really believe in yourself deep down that I can actually make a podium finish. So mm. I'm saying, I'm saying the conditions are going to put on a full on even playing field um, across the board and that it doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter who your name is or what your name is. You are beatable at the end of the day, and if you, and and that sorry, I, that, that's the approach I'm taking with Leon and more the underdog. So, mm. so well, and that's brilliant because that's been my coaching uh, sort of line for about <laughs> thirty years. Is that and and, and not just mine and, and, and Herbie Hugh John, who you may know and who's been part of the WSF forever, informed it. We've always said whenever we had a Welsh team in the bigger and more horrible the conditions the more chance we've had and 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 historically that's when we've had the greatest uh, mm. most success because it levels that playing field and it's a very honest assessment of what you're saying i mean mm. but i still think you know as you say with leon's air game i think he, he, you know no matter what the conditions because they, they should give him an, an excellent chance of, of a superb performance and we mm. really hope that's the case mm. absolutely i mean to be honest guys when i when i work with when I do these kind of things, I don't see or I don't even see other people surfing. I only see my athletes surfing. I do see their surfing to help set new new goals for new turns and mm. and variance var, uh, variables of of the turns that we're working on. But I, I don't even see them as a, they don't even. So to ask me what I what I think who could win it, I don't see anybody else. You know, it's just me and my athlete. Yeah. And uh, everybody else a byproduct. <laughs> hey, Llewellyn, I've seen a couple of those uh, those Instagram videos and such. Of uh, you giving the guys a bit of a lesson of how to come off the bottom and square it off the top backhand. I've seen a little <laughs> few of those competitions going on between you. <laughs> but, uh, Yoda showing the, the the young Jedi how it's done. <laughs> and, so, yeah, well, I th it kind of keeps them respecting you. I think if you can still shred it up and still surf well and stay fit and stay, um, you know. Um, fit and lean and mean. They're, they're just these are the air, different areas that I focus on myself to make the to to warrant them respecting 
um, my my input into the surfing career. And uh, of course, as as host, I've got to do the the tabloid thing here of, of asking about. <laughs> I got the goat, Kelly Slater. Is he gonna be there? We we may know by the time this episode is released. But well, no. In fact, we've been told we're not going to know till the last second. John John's going to go, isn't he? And he's going to try to to sort of you know do it. And then I suppose if the knee doesn't work out on the morning, Slater's in. So Slater's going to be present at the yeah. event. I reckon Slater, his his whole comeback because surfing became Olympics. From my personal opinion on on the goat is that he he his the feather in his cap after eleven world titles or whatever it would be to go to the first Olympics. Yeah, um, I, I can imagine him trying to set a, a, another goal to be a, a twenty twenty four Olympian, even though it's Tahiti and it is the goat. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> So I have, but I have no doubt that he's doing everything in his power to get to the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't who want wouldn't? to be there this year? Who wouldn't want to be there? So, um, John John Florence um, to have that big of a knee operation again in mm. and try mm. and and to achieve a prefect waves on it as well. You know, yeah. I mean, to realistically think he can be close to a hundred percent or even ninety percent to even go for a medal. Yeah. It's highly unlikely. So I reckon the goat will be there, bro. Wow. Yeah, I read somewhere online about Team USA saying <coughs> saying that uh, you know an eighty percent John John was still worth a chance. Um, but I'm not so sure. As you say, Clue, getting over those knee injuries. I mean, you know, I've had ACL ops, and it's yeah. it's not a five minute thing. It's, not uh, if he's like, got to get a six point five late in a heat, and he ends up going for a rotator and picks up the six point three, but twists his knee. You know, that, yeah. that's that's the trouble, isn't it? You know, he'll be holding his rail for sure. It's career, it's career <laughs> down the pan, then, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. It's, and John, uh, and John, John can go again. He's young enough. Now, the one thing I do exactly. firmly believe is that if the goat is in the Olympics and he comes across Leon. Leon is gonna smoke him, and he's gonna <laughs> yeah. smoke him, and he's gonna smoke him partly because of FTV, which was part kind in Wales. So lose time in Kevin Cribber is what's gonna send the goat pack in. So that is epic, and good luck with it, Lou. Uh, we might have to pick your brains Thank again you on how so it all much. goes. Yes, I'd love to meet up with you guys again for sure. It's been a it's been a gas. It's been Absolute. great. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolute pleasure, Lou. Uh, I can't thank you enough. Yeah. 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 As, as good a podcast guest as I have ever interviewed. And just thank you so much for your time. Legend. Awesome, Tom. All the best to you, Tom, and and the and Crest and the podcast. I hope it just grows from yeah. strength to strength. And just uh, don't give up. Keep focusing, trusting, and believing, and you'll make it as su- the success you dream of it will be. Well, thank you, thank you, and and can I say thanks also to Emily Williams and Mark Vaughan, our, our Monday pundit club, uh, and it will be reconvened to talk about the Welsh competitive scene uh, as and when we've got some news to report on that note. Vaunt, however, is going to be joining me again in our very next episode, and it will be an unmissable one, I assure you. Crest, in partnership with Elusive, will now be taking the summer holidays. So the next season two download will be September the 5th. And what a bang to be returning with. Vaughny and I have scheduled a tete-a-tete with none other than eight times Welsh surfing champ and all-time legend of storytelling, Gregory Ross Owen. What an evening that is going to be. Can't wait. Wow. <laughs> 
Uh, those eight, he must be a good storyteller. I'm sure it's not eight. <laughs> <laughs> he counts like all the little, he counts, he counts all the little ones, the, uh, doesn't he? The junior right, okay. ones and the masters oh, ones. Right. Yeah. Okay. Although I'll I, remember that. I'll, I'll I, add mine I up can't in not, anticipation. I, I can't knock winning. Uh, I can't knock winning age restricted categories at the Welsh because I'd have zero if it wasn't for them. So there we go. <laughs> well, what are you, uh, looking forward to that one. Anyway, in the meantime, there's a, there's a chance for for our listeners to get up to date with other episodes uh, via Spotify, Google, YouTube, Apple, or any other RSS fed podcast platforms whatever your method do please hit subscribe and do leave a review uh, if you've got any ideas for us please get in touch via castcrest at gmail.com or through our regularly updated instagram or twitter feeds plenty to check out as you wait for greggy boy's long anticipated appearance in september thanks for listening dioch am grando aguelachi mish medi guys uh, see you in september you yo yes cheers boy and go like a